Greetings to those who watch below. It's Friday, which means it's time for another stop on our US paranormal tour. And today, we're going to the place that's almost heaven. That's right, West Virginia. But before we start, I'd like to say thank you to Steffi Ray, Wicked Witch, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, M.A. Wade, Julie B., Jess Black Curtain, Christina Groves, and LT Punisher 666 for being those who dwell below our exclusive channel membership. Also, before we begin, just make sure to hit that subscribe button and the notification bell next to it so that you never miss any videos. So for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Creepy Experience at TNT Area by Teresa HPIR The former West Virginia Ordnance Works was an explosive manufacturing facility constructed for the sole purpose of producing 720,000 tonnes of TNT per day. It was constructed on 8,323 acres along the east bank of the Ohio River, along State Route 62, six miles north of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. From 1942 to 1945, the West Virginia Ordnance Works manufactured explosives for use in munitions and explosives for the war effort. Although owned by DOD, WVOW was operated by a private company to produce the TNT. When it was closed in 1945, the works were declared surplus, and the structures were salvaged or disposed. The former Ordnance Works is on the National Priorities List, and work is being done there by the Huntington District of the US Army Corps of Engineers. Anyway, the TNT area hasn't actually manufactured TNT since World War II ended. It's now part of the McClintic Wildlife Management Area, and the igloos are above ground concrete bunkers where the TNT was stored. They're designed in a way that planes passing over cannot tell that they're there, and if that one should explode, it wouldn't set off a chain reaction. Most of the igloos are now privately owned or owned by the army, and out of hundreds, only a few are accessible, and only three of those are open to tourists. After the war, it was a popular place for private enterprises to use in storing TNT and related paraphernalia, and to this day, there's a good chance that some of the igloos are being implemented for that. However, in the 1980s, the whole area was added to the government's Superfund list after fishermen reported a red bubbling goo coming up from the ponds. Allegedly, a lot of the bunkers were supposed to have been cleaned out, but again, who knows? The area's real claim to fame, however, comes from the Mothman. The first reported sighting of Mothman came from the area's North Power Plant, which was torn down in the 90s. The next night, some locals went out to the bunker area to try and scare people out looking for Mothman, when they allegedly encountered him themselves. In addition to the Mothman, many other areas around the property are said to be haunted, especially the area around the present-day shooting range, where there are no less than two murders taking place there in recent history. However, my story comes from the area around the old igloos. On a whim, one summer night in 2008, my friend and I went exploring the TNT area of Point Pleasant, known for its Mothman fame. 
We checked out the accessible igloos many times, only three of which were actually opened. He wanted to show me some pallets, drums and other debris that had recently been placed in front of a few of the privately owned igloos, which were located on a different trail than the one that led to the open ones. This time of year, there are gates blocking off the small roads, so you have to take the trail by foot. We had two flashlights, and the moon was really bright, so the trail was well lit. We went down the trail and got to see three igloos, but then the trail was cut off by a small stream that was overflowing, so we turned back around. Near the first igloo, the one closest to the car, I smelt what I thought was a dead animal. I didn't say anything, because even though the smell was really strong, and I didn't smell it on our trip in, we were out in the middle of a wildlife area, so it's only natural to smell a dead animal sometimes. A few steps later, we were back to where we had parked the car. To get back to the car, we had to go round a big farm gate, which was no problem, except I'm a klutz. I got my pants stuck on a weed or something, so I was holding onto the gate's pole with both hands, trying to shake myself free. My friend was laughing at me, and I was laughing but cursing, staring down at the ground, trying to figure out why I was so tangled up. In my peripheral vision, I saw a form come towards me from my left side, the side closest to freedom. I put their arm on my shoulder to steady me. At first I thought it was my friend, who had somehow managed to slip behind me and was trying to help me out. Then it clicked that something was really not right. It wasn't exactly tunnel vision, but somehow I seemed to subconsciously block out everything around me and could only focus on this shape in front of me. And it seemed like the whole scene was shot in movie mode, as if I were watching it on TV, not standing there. I could only see the side-slash-back area of the figure. It was a younger male, wearing a white t-shirt, with tan skin and not jet black hair, but really dark brown, cut short but longer on the top than on the sides. It only stood about six feet and wasn't very muscular, just average build, if not maybe on the slim side. What clicked was, the friend I was with was wearing a grey sleeveless shirt and is heavily tattooed with full sleeves on both arms. He stands around six foot five and is a bigger guy, fairly muscular with long light brown hair. This was definitely not him, especially since after I freed myself, I whipped round and he was about a foot behind me, on the wrong side of the gate still. I snapped back round to see what did help me, and it was gone. I didn't even say anything really until we got back in the car and started down the road, and I told him what I saw. He swears he didn't see anything, but knows that I have a history of seeing things that most people can't see, and saw how excited yet shaken I was. He believed that I at least thought I saw something. He said something to the effect of maybe whatever was in there was warning us not to go down that path. To me, that didn't make any sense, since I only experienced it as we were leaving. So the first thing I said was the first thing that popped into my head. He didn't want us to leave. That opened up a whole other discussion, albeit a facetious one, about there possibly being a body buried back there somewhere. The TNT area has seen its fair share of murders and body dumping, so it wouldn't be completely unheard of. 
I mentioned that there was definitely something dead back there, referencing that horrid stench I had smelled just prior to seeing the apparition. Again, my friend swears he didn't smell anything, which I thought was odd, because the stench was so overpowering. But now looking back, maybe it was an introductory response to what was about to happen. Sheep Squatch Sheep Squatch, also known as the White Thing, is a woolly-haired cryptid reported across numerous counties in West Virginia, predominantly within the southwestern region of the state. The counties with the most sightings are Boone, Kanawha, Putnam and Mason, with a surge in sightings taking place in Boone County during the mid-1990s. It is described as being a quadruped about the size of a bear, with entirely white wool-like fur. It has a long and pointed head, similar to a dog, but with long sabre-like teeth and a single set of horns, not dissimilar from those found on a young goat. Its forelimbs end in paw-like hands, similar to those of a raccoon, but larger, while its tail is long and hairless, like that of an opossum. It is reputed to smell like sulphur, which has been attributed through folklore to the beast being born within the TNT area in Mason County, like one of the Mothman theories. Though this is not likely, and instead may be a musk scent gland, similar to those found in many species of carnivores, such as weasels and skunks. In 1994, a former Navy seaman stated having witnessed the beast breaking through the forest. The white thing breached the brush line and knelt to drink from the creek. Here it drank for a few minutes, before crossing the creek and continuing on toward the nearby road. The witnesses state that they observed the animal for a while before it moved on into the surrounding brush. Within the same year, two children observed the creature while playing in their yard in Boone County. What they reported having observed looked like a large white bear, yet in this case stood up on its hind legs, making it over six feet tall. Startled by the children, the beast ran off through the forest, breaking medium-sized limbs off of trees in its path. The creature was next spotted a year later, this time involving a car. A couple driving through Boone County observed a large white beast sitting in a ditch along the roadway. As many curious passers-by might do in this situation, they stopped their car to get a better look. They came to describe the creature again as mostly similar to earlier depictions, yet they added that the creature had four eyes. In stark contrast to the last sighting where the sheep squatch fled, the creature leapt out of the ditch and started to attack the car. Frightened by the attack, the couple drove off quickly, and once they arrived back home, noticed large scratches on the side of the car where the beast had attacked. Another incident in 1999 involved a couple of campers who were in the forest at night, again in Boone County, around a bonfire. They eventually heard an animal snorting and scuffling around the camp, in a manner similar to an aggravated bear, though it did not come into the light of the campfire immediately. All of a sudden, the sheep squatch suddenly charged out of the darkness at the campers. Reacting quickly, they jumped up and ran back into their house, all the while being pursued by the sheep squatch. The white thing stopped at the edge of the forest when they crossed it and let out a terrible scream. It then turned around and headed back into the woods. 
The next morning, the campers returned to their campsite and the trail home, finding it to be torn up. They referred to it as like someone had tilled up the land for gardening. In Folks Run, Virginia, the beast was spotted again in the forests of Appalachia. The creature was spotted close to midnight by six campers, spending the night in the dense woods. The beast was reportedly eight to nine feet tall, with a shoulder length of four to five feet. One of the campers first saw the beast at the top of the nearby hill, in a crouching position. Then it stood up, and he alerted the other campers. Then it started running down the steep hill toward the campers, but they were separated by the river that was flowing through. They looked on in horror as it searched for a way to cross the river, and with no other option, began to wade through the river. It finally came out of the water, and the campers reported that it appeared like a bipedal dog in the chest, with its fur wet from the river crossing. Then a loud gut-based screech was heard about two miles off from where they were. Then the sheep squatch looked up in shock, just high enough so the moonlight was in its face, and the campers looked on as it let out a pathetic whimper, then in a sprint ran in the opposite direction of the noise. The campers quickly packed and left, then reported it to the locals, fearing that if the authorities were informed, they would be ridiculed. The identity of the campers is unknown as of March 2016. Something on the Side of the Road by Huskyona24 My story takes place just outside my hometown of Beckley, West Virginia. It happened in the winter of last year and hasn't been off my mind since. I want to be honest about every detail of my story, so I ask you to please not judge me when I tell you this first part. My girlfriend and I go to an outpatient treatment centre for opiate addiction and counselling. Yes, I made some mistakes in my life as a teen, and I became hooked on OxyContin. I'm not proud of it, but since starting treatment, I've remained clean, and I'm proud to say that. It's been very hard, but through work and support, I've done it. Now, a lot of days we were out there at 5 or 6am. The centre is about two miles off the interstate exit, down a wooded dead-end road, with a few other businesses around. It can be a really dark road before the sun comes up, and on this particular day, it was about 6am, and was still dark. It was very cold as it was winter, and there was a little bit of snow out. We were about halfway to the centre of the exit, when we noticed someone ahead of us, walking on the shoulder the opposite way of our travel, so facing us. I remember thinking that sucks for them walking in the cold, and I figured it was another patient, walking home from the centre, and I had actually said to my girlfriend, see if you know who that is, and maybe we can pick them up. Now, the speed limit on the road is 50, and with the snow, I was probably going 35 or so, and when we first noticed them walking, they were probably about 30 feet ahead of us in the car's headlights. As we approached, I slowed down to get a good look at them, to see if we knew them, and as I came up to them, the figure stopped and turned its head towards us. What I saw to this day terrifies me. It had dark coloured clothing, what looked like a hoodie of some kind, but its face, it wasn't human. It had the biggest, most evil smile on its face I've ever seen, and guys, I mean it was huge. The smile literally went from one side of the face to the other, 
and the teeth were enormous. Not sharp, they were human-like, but way too big to be. It was almost cartoonish. I remember my girlfriend saying, Oh my God! But I wasn't sure she was seeing what I did. Needless to say, we didn't stop. Then Ashley said, Did you see that? I said yes, and I turned the car around in a wide spot and went back. I had to try to figure this out. Now from the time we saw it, turned around and got back to where it was, it was maybe 20 seconds, and it was gone. I swear to you, it was gone. There was nowhere for this thing to go. There was a tall chain-link fence with barbed wire at this spot between the road and the edge of the woods, so it couldn't have dipped in the trees. I mean, it was literally 20 seconds. After we couldn't find it, I asked Ashley to describe to me what she saw, and she said it was an oversized joker smile. I knew then that she saw the same thing as me. Her and I have talked about this with each other a hundred times, and it's always the same story. We have never seen it again. Now, I don't know what it was, but I know it was not human. It looked and felt, well, evil. I know how this may sound, but I promise you this is 100% true. Some explanations I've gotten from people are that it was possibly an addiction demon. I don't know if that is what it was, but it wasn't someone needing a ride. Another Shadow Figure Story by Charles Page When I was a little girl, I remember waking up in the middle of the night and seeing what looked to be a human entity. It was more of a shadow, but it was there off the wall and standing in the middle of my bedroom. If it was fully manifested, I would say that it was staring at me. I was one of those tough little girls, not afraid of anything. I didn't scream. I can't remember if I even wanted to. My sister was on the top bunk that night, and a few years later, our house was torn down. It was no longer suitable to live in, and another one was built in its place. One night, my sister and I stayed awake watching scary movies on the sci-fi channel. I laughed at my sister for covering her eyes the whole time. That's when she told me, Chelsea, when we lived in our old house, I used to see a man stand in our bedroom. I immediately told her of my experience, and she described the shadow just the way I saw it. To this day, my sister still admits to seeing the man, but refuses to believe it was anything paranormal. My mother is the same way, and she claims that her closet door flew open one night when her husband was away at work, and said it scared her, but she won't declare it to be paranormal. The first time I ever had a friend over, it was a big deal. I was in the fifth grade, and my classmate came over and we ate pizza and watched chick flicks. We went to sleep, and she woke me up and asked me to stay awake with her because she saw something. She was scared and was afraid to look around the room. Years later, when we were in junior high, I went to her house, and we were playing a computer game and had two chairs at the desk, one for me and one for her. It was late, and the only light in the living room came from the computer monitor. I went to the bathroom, and when I came back, I saw it again, sitting in my chair beside of my best friend, and she didn't even notice. I half screamed for her to get up and told her what I saw. We stayed up the whole night with covers over our faces and all the lights on. I've seen it a couple times since, always in my room, 
Others have heard and seen mysterious things while with me. I can feel its presence sometimes, and I've even seen it in the car with my friends. I swear it. I almost caused my friend to wreck with my scream, and it took them forever to get me to calm down. Another night at my other close friend's house, her dad came home from night fishing with his buddies. Her and I were sitting in the living room, in the back of the house, where the front door was visible. Her dad used the key and came in. We said hey to him as he made his way to the back of the house to us. I've stayed there a lot and it's normal for him to bring home a friend or two. That's what I thought I saw coming in behind him. I asked who was with him. By then I knew all his friends by name and he said no one. It was dark but I saw it. It went down the hall. I thought he was joking so I got up and looked. There was no one. What is this thing? What does it want? Our Little Haunted House by Groovy Ghoulie I was 14 years old, living with my mum in rural West Virginia. My father had passed away that year from lung cancer. He was a coal miner, and like many men in that profession, he developed black lung and lung cancer. He was only 59 when he passed. The house my parents bought was a strange little two-bedroom house. The floor plan was odd. Upon entering the house, one would find oneself in the kitchen. Straight ahead was the only bathroom. Just off the kitchen was my room, complete with one of those pull-down attic accesses, with the fold-out wooden stairs. Past my bedroom was the living room, and off the living room to the rear of the house was the bedroom my parents took, which became known as the back bedroom. It was the creepiest room ever. I still have nightmares about that back bedroom. One could stand in the living room just outside the doorway to that room and feel the cold air wafting out of the room, raising goosebumps on your arm. We did not have central air conditioning. This is where this story actually begins. On a school night one evening, I was in my room listening to music. I just discovered the Beatles and was fast becoming a second-generation Beatles fan. It was 1979, and I just couldn't believe how I could have overlooked these guys and their music. As I lay there in my room, listening to Abbey Road for like the seventh time in a row that night, I became aware that the atmosphere in the room had changed. The air felt heavy and thick, and there was something off about the way the lighting looked in the room now. It seemed darker somehow. There was a noise, faint at first, but it was not coming from my stereo or John, Paul, George or Ringo, and it did not fit with the rhythm of the music. It was people talking, softly at first, and then pretty loud, but where was it coming from? I silenced the volume on my record player and sat and listened, and it dawned on me. It was coming through the wall from my mum's bedroom, the back bedroom to be exact. Whispers at first, Then you could actually feel the vibrato of the male's voice as it resounded off of the walls. There was a woman's voice as well, but it was softer, not as loud. I could not make out what they were saying, but it was a pretty lively exchange. Wondering if maybe we had had company come in without me hearing them arrive, I got up to see who was visiting and why they were in my mom's bedroom. I went out of my room into the kitchen and looked in the living room, where my mum sat watching TV. I asked her if she had been on the phone in her room talking to someone, and she said no. 
I told her what I had heard, and she just looked at me like I was certifiable. To this day, I have no idea what I heard that evening. I did not hear those voices again, but that house was definitely haunted. The back bedroom stayed cold, refrigerator cold. My oldest sister Sue stayed in that room when she came home for a visit, and told my mum that she woke up to see a black figure standing over her. She would not stay in that room again. I wonder if the voices I heard were residual. If so, wouldn't I have heard them on a regular basis? I saw a lone figure looking out of the window of that room, coming home after attending a basketball game at the local high school. It was a dark figure, and the curtain was pulled back. It disappeared when my brother's headlights shone on the window. Other odd things happened in the house as well. We came home one evening after grocery shopping to find the attic windows standing open, which was very, very odd, since the windows were the old wooden type windows that were locked by a piece of wood on a nail that you kind of have to turn to lock. The wood would swell every summer, making it difficult, if not impossible, to open those windows without a crowbar. Plus, the windows locked from the inside. We went up to the attic that night to close the windows and to make sure there were no wild animals. And, mind you, this was the middle of summer, yet that attic was covered from one end to the other in very, very old leaves. It looked like a violent windstorm had blown in with all these leaves, but from where? It was the middle of summer. Finally, after my mum passed, my sister, niece and I were in the house cleaning things out, distributing my mum and dad's furniture, knick-knacks and what-have-yous to those family members that wanted them. The rest was to go to charity. The bedrooms, both mine and the back bedroom, had been emptied of furniture and now stood empty. We slept on the living room floor in sleeping bags. The creepy back bedroom was just off the living room and so we decided to tie the door to that room shut using a hemp rope that my friend bought with her for just that purpose. So my sister and my friend looped the rope around the bedroom's doorknob, the old metal kind that rattle, and the other end of the rope is tied to the back door's doorknob, which was located at a slight angle from the bedroom. They tied that rope tight, looped it, and tied it as tight as they could pull it. Later on that evening, when the house was dark and quiet, as I lay on the living room floor, my feet pointed in the direction of the back bedroom, I hear the unmistakable sound of the rattling of that old metal doorknob like someone is while turning it. I laid there terrified and finally fell asleep somehow and when we got up the next morning the door to the back bedroom was opened a good ways and the hemp rope that I had watched my sister and my friend tie shut so tightly the night before simply hung limp and slack between the two doors. To this day That stands as one of the scariest things I have ever been through. I still dream about that house. The most frightening nightmare I had was when I dreamed that that back bedroom was actually a cemetery, complete with standing headstones, fog and creepy black trees. You know, the typical scarier than scary cemetery. But this one was in our house. The house burned down two years after I sold it, I do not know if the new owners experienced anything while there or not. Someone told my brother that the old cemetery used to be located on part of that land, where the house stood.
Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to leave a like and also subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And if you really, really liked it, make sure to leave a super thanks. I'd really, really appreciate it. So, until next time, sleep tight. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.